Greetings and welcome to Shnayim Mikra, the wonderful podcast series developed and sponsored by the Orthodox Union, hosted here at OU.org. In each podcast, we read, translate, study, analyze, and discuss one of the aliyot of the current week's parasha. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom, and I'm delighted to be studying Parashat Ki Tetzay, uh with you this week. I mentioned in the previous podcast that Ki Tetzay is the densest parasha as far as the number of mitzvot that appear in it. It also has a great significance for people who engage in the study of Gemara, and that is that there is probably more help that you can gain from studying Parshat Ki when it comes to studying Gemara uh, as for the same reason, that there are more mitzvot that are discussed here. As a matter of fact, studying Parshat Mishpatim, Parshat Kedoshim, Parshat Ki is probably the triumvirate of scriptural success as far as the study of Gemara. We're looking at the second Aliyah, which begins in chapter 21, verse 22. If a man has a sentence of death and he is killed, now this can be read one of two ways. It either can mean you then must put him on a tree, we'll talk about what talita means, or it may mean and if you put him on a tree, meaning if it's the kind of law that in the end talita otoalates, then the following will apply. You cannot let his body, his carcass, stay overnight. You have to bury him on that day. There's two ways to read that. The simplest read is, it is a curse of God for this man to be impaled or hanging on a tree. Meaning that since man is in God's image, this is a curse of God to have man created in his image being degraded in such a way. The other way is to turn around and read it in the halachic fashion, which is, kilat Elohim talui, as the one opinion in the Mishnah Sanhedrin, that the only one who gets put up in this way is somebody who cursed God. Kilat Elohim talui, and nonetheless, even he has to be taken down. Do not defile your land. You will defile your land if you do this. That God gives you as an inheritance. Now, what does Tliyah mean? In modern uh, language, you would translate it as hanging, and we'd think about hanging somebody, pictures from from the Old West, and pictures uh, from the South, and of course some terrible pictures from our own recent past. But that's not what Tliyah means in the Tanakh. In the Tanakh, Tliyah really refers to impalement, where they would put somebody on a tree and put his body on top of the wood and uh, he would be displayed that way. Okay. The next piece. Parenthetically, about Tliyah, the Gemara and Sanhedrin tells us, and the Mishnah Sanhedrin tells us, that they would ex- they would always execute at the end of the day and put somebody up for a couple minutes to fulfill the mitzvah of Tliyah and immediately take him down and bury him before sunset. So they'd always have the Gemara Din right at the end of the day. You're not allowed to see your friend's ox or lamb wandering around and ignore it. This is a subset of the mitzvah of Hashavat which we already had in Sefer Shmot. But let's say your brother, meaning it's another Jew's, and he doesn't live near you. You don't know who he is. So that's interesting. How do you know that this belongs to a brother? The answer is that when you're living in a fairly insular society, you can assume 
that it belongs to a brother. That's why these halachot devolve very differently in a, an area of majority of Jews, like in Eretz Yisrael, as opposed to in most areas of Chutzlarts, where that's not the case. You bring the animal to your house, and he's with you until your brother seeks him out, and then you have to you return him. There are many, many halachot in the second parak of Masachat Bab Metziah that deal with how at, how much do you have to put out for this animal uh, and and expend uh, if the animal's osev yochel and osev yochel, etc. The same is true for his donkey. The same is true even for not not for animals for its garment. And the same is true for anything your fellow loses. If he loses it and you find it, you are not allowed to look away and ignore it. Okay? More of this same notion now of your responsibility towards helping a fellow with his property. Before it was seeing his animal wander. Now you see his animal falling because he's got a big load. You can't ignore it. You have to help the other fellow lift up the animal and take care of uh, of unloading his uh, his burden. And uh, and that's hakem takim imo, meaning the halacha is that if the other fellow says, "Hey, you got a mitzvah to help me," I'm going to sit back and and enjoy. I have a have a diet coke. In the meantime, uh, let you take care of it. You're not chayav. You're only chayav to help him when he's working on it. The Isur of cross-dressing. This is an abomination to God. Now, why is it an abomination? So the Gemara Nazir gives one explanation. The Ramam gives another. The Gemara Nazir explains that this is specifically talking about someone who cross-dresses in order to infiltrate the private areas of the other sex. So, for instance, a man who dresses like a woman so he can go hang out with the woman and then have his sexual... Uh, way with them, and vice versa. Uh, so it's not just talking about cross-dressing for uh, a play or for, or for uh, you know, as part of a movie or something, but as uh, for that uh, nefarious purpose. The Rambam picks up on something else. The fact that it says to'eva sort of sets off uh, an amber light and says, ah, this must be referring to something related to Avodah Zarah. The Rambam says that indeed he claims to have found in the laws of Canaanite pagan practice that they would, that the priests would cross dress, and that was part of what they did to distance ourselves from that. We avoid it uh, totally. If you find a cane, meaning a nest of a bird, it's in front of you. Baderach on the road, whether it's in any kind of tree or on the ground, there are chicks or just eggs. The mother is sitting on top of the eggs, the chicks and the eggs. You're not allowed to take the mother with the eggs. What do you have to do? Send the mother away and you can take the eggs or the chicks. So that you should have a long life. You should have a good life and a long life. Three comments about this. The first thing is that this becomes the model of a particular halachic category that's discussed in the middle of the third paragraph of Masachet Makot of a lav hanitakla asay, a violation which is fixed by an asay and therefore you're not punished for it. So if you take the mother, 
you can always send her away. So even though it says you may not take the mother, you're not punished with makot for taking the mother as long as she can be sent away. So if you clip her wings, then uh, at that point you'd be, uh, you'd be punished perhaps. And that's the machlok Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish, bitlo velo bitlo, kimo velo kimo, about lavanitak lasay. The second point is that the tremendous reward that you get for this um, seems to be really, uh, in a sense, overkill. All you did was you, you found this uh, nest, you demonstrated perhaps some sort of um, a compassion so that the mother should not see her own chicks taken away. You sent the mother away, then took the chicks, but the whole thing was a plus for you, it was a profit. You gained all these birds or all these eggs. And for doing that, you get a long life and a great blessing of a good life. It's strange. So the Shalmi in Peya says, that the hardest mitzvah in the Torah, which is kibbutz avayim, honoring parents properly, has this reward given in, uh, in the Aserta Dibrot, that you'll have a long and good life. The easiest mitzvah in the Torah, which is this, Shiluach HaKain, has the same reward, as if to teach you everything in between. The two poles tell you that, so everything in between has the same reward. Following the mitzvot carries with it uh, this great reward. Third of all is the famous story um in Masachet Kiddushin, that there was a one of perhaps one of the most brilliant of the Chachamim during the era uh, after the destruction of the Mikdash was the rabbi known as Elisha ben Avuya. Those interested should read Steinberg's as a driven leaf. It's a great book. Uh, who was referred to later as Acher? He was Reb Meir's teacher when Reb Meir was younger. And Acher is called Acher because he left the fold. He stopped being observant and he stopped believing. There are various traditions as to what caused him to leave. And one of them is that he saw a father say to his son, please go up to that tree, get the eggs and send the mother away and bring it to me. And the son went up the tree and fell off and died. And that Acher's comment was, look, he was doing the two mitzvot in the Torah, about which it says you'll have a long life and a good life. And in the commission of those mitzvot, he died. So I don't believe it anymore. And that he left. That's one version of it, and it specifically relates to this mitzvah. Okay, we'll pause at this point. We'll pick it up in the uh, in the next podcast with the third aliyah, Kitivne Bayit Chadash. But in the meantime, wish everybody a wonderful day.